That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis. Jacqueline Coley taking her sweet time getting back into the studio, and deservedly so. She's on a little vacay from all the award season coverage, probably on her couch right down the street from where I live playing video games. That's neither here nor there because we love having Jacqueline here, but in her stead, we have two-thirds of the world girls that are going to be celebrating Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with us as we get set for Guardians 3, which comes out as of this release tomorrow, May 5th. So that's pretty exciting for all of us. And I'm very excited to have Steph Sabra and Doreen Ariano back here in studio. Doreena, you know her as a world girl and also a DJ, composer, and Steph. And I've, I've, I, this is on my sheet as well as me knowing this. Steph is kind of like ego's a living planet. Steph is a living vibe. <laughs> Yes, totally. Okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah, put that on my tombstone. <laughs> she was. She a, was a vibe. She is a vibe. Here lies Steph, still a vibe. Uh, welcome, ladies. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's so exciting to be here. As always, I do miss Jacqueline, but I love Mark, and I obviously love Steph. There's so nothing like staring here. into Darina's eyes. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Roxy having FOMO right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> serious. Roxy was in here a couple weeks ago, the other the, the other world girl, which is the horrible way to say that. There's no other world girl. You're no. all, you know, you're all, in a world of John, Paul, Georges, and Ringos, you're all either John or Paul. You can pick whoever I'm you want to be. You can be George if you want. She's definitely here. <laughs> Darina's here. <laughs> Steph is a vibe. Y'all been giving stuff whirls recently? What have we been up to? Uh, we went to Super Nintendo World, oh, which yeah. was excellent. Okay. If you haven't been, uh, I know there's rides and foods and lots to do, but the best thing was jamming on those POW blocks. Oh, oh yeah, so you, you can, can actually, actually do like, it. You can actually smash them? Yeah. yeah. And get coins and stuff? You need to yeah. spend a lot of moolah on this bracelet, okay. which you got to give the man something, I guess, but it's fun. Well, we went to, uh, we went, we, we had this new show that you all can catch on YouTube called On the Street, where I just interview people on the street about movies, any topic whatsoever. So the first one we did was at Universal City Walk, and we were so hyped for Mario. We couldn't necessarily, even if we got access to be in front of Super Mario World, it was such a madhouse over there with just like people going in and out all over the place. You really couldn't get any traction. So we were interviewing people outside the friendly confines and people were so losing their minds as to how much fun they were having. 
People loved it. And it looked way cooler than I thought it was going to. Yeah, it's like an adult playground. I mean, it's meant for kids, but come on. It's I mean, adult all playgrounds. All of us that grew up with Super Nintendo. I our, mean, screw the kids. Our minds go various places when you say adult playground. Yeah. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no strippers or anything. No strippers. You okay. don't get any sexy Yoshi or anything <laughs> well, like that. Okay. Even though Yoshi is obviously I sexy object. forever. Yoshi is sexy. That's wow. a good point. There's a lot of sexy Yoshi. Yes, right. Steph and I fight over Yoshi. <laughs> there's yes. a lot of sexiness in the movie we're talking about because upon rewatching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 very horny movie yes, yes. which is wow. why James Gunn man yes <laughs> a lot of yes. imagery a lot of overt references a lot of subtle hints and so we're going to talk about this movie because again the new movie comes out as of this recording tomorrow but we just get excited this time of year to see something that is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe it's summertime big blockbuster tentpole movies you expect to see some MCU glory but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as I remembered it it was a movie that was fun. It was good. It I don't remember it blowing me away. I just remember it being like, ah, okay, that maybe was a little too long. I liked it. It wasn't as good as the first. Was sort of the way I felt walking out of the theater. So I have since, upon rewatching this, adjusted my opinion of the film. But I want to throw it to you ladies first. So Steph, Rotten Tomatoes, currently on the tomato meter, has Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 85% certified fresh. Is the tomato meter right? Or is Rotten Tomatoes wrong? I think the tomato meter is just right on this one. I really feel like it's a solid B+. I know that's up to negotiation by some (laughs) teachers. 85%. They're just the worst. That's a B+. In my mind, you round up. Yeah. Yeah. So B+. I I absolutely love this movie. I liked it better upon the second watch, actually, too. So it's on the honor roll. It's second honors for Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2 for Steph. Darina, how do we feel about it? I am, as always, the outlier, and uh, I actually think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is amazing and way better than the first one, which I hate it compared to most people. Wow, all right. Hate it. Yes. So the tomato meter is wrong in terms of it's just not high enough for you. Correct. It's just right according to Steph. Well, because the first one is only a little bit higher, right? The the first one is 92%. I'm glad you brought that up. 92% certified fresh, which is still only good for the seventh highest MCU movie. On the tomato meter, number one is Black Panther. Mm. You have uh, Endgame. You have, uh, I think, Homecoming is way up there. So Guardians of the Galaxy, 92%. It's only seventh best. This one, volume two, smack dab in the middle of the MCU as far as the tomato meter. It's ranked number 16 currently, but those rankings changing all the time. Eternals bringing up the rear at 47%. Um, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is wrong on this one. Yes. Because I think 85% is too low. Correct. And I did not feel that way when I walked out of the theater seeing this movie initially. Rewatching it, I don't know what bad mood I was in that day. What? Yeah, I had so I had a blast watching it. I got more into the emotions of the story. Mm-hmm. I was laughing by myself. Well, I had me and my little rocket raccoon Molly <laughs> there with me, and it was just I had a great time watching this. It was a movie. Yeah. It was actually a movie with, and it's a character story, unlike the first one. And I know it's weird that that's the criticism. Too much character. Yes. <laughs> like, what's a movie? Exactly. Too much growth and development for us. <laughs> Plus, you had Kurt Russell and sometimes I mean, a DH Kurt Russell, which looked fantastic. So yes. we're gonna get in all that stuff. Very excited to talk this movie. The synopsis of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Um, I'll kind of piggyback off the ladies and say it's a relationship movie. 
where you have Peter Quill kind of realizing who his father is, Ego the Living Planet, played by Kurt Russell. Is that good or bad? You have Gamora and Nebula who are working on their sibling Mm -hmm. rivalry. And then you also have Drax who sort of made a bond with Mantis. You have Rocket who is sort of helping to steer baby Groot along in this adventure. And then we have Yondu who is the surrogate daddy to Peter, but was he just using Peter? Did he really have feelings for him as his son? A lot of these questions get answered. It leaves a lot open to interpretation. Oh, Stallone's in this too. There's a lot to talk about. Before we get into movie talk, let's toss it to our good buddy, Tim Ryan, for our segment, Two Minutes with Tim. He's going to tell us what the critics were saying at the time of this film's release. Way back, we were so young in 2017. (laughs) Hit it, Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. First off, I want to share something with the group. One of my absolute favorite villains in the Marvel Universe is Ego the Living Planet. So much so that Ego was my AOL instant messenger avatar. That's how far we go back. So I was delighted when I found out that Ego would be the bad guy in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I have to say, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit with one complaint. Not enough Ego. Anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 found the MCU at a moment where it seemed they could do no wrong. They could build a commercially successful, critically acclaimed mini-franchise out of some of its goofiest heroes. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is certified fresh at 85% on the tomato meter with 426 reviews, and it has an 87% audience score. And just for comparison, the original Guardians of the Galaxy from 2014 is certified fresh at 92%. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Nell Minow of Movie Mom wrote that it was still delightfully off-kilter, still deliciously irreverent, and still delectably scored with 70s pop songs. However, in a rotten review, Todd McCarthy of The Hollywood Reporter wrote, Guardians of the Galaxy plays like a second ride on a roller coaster that was a real kick the first time around, but feels very been there, done that now. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's action-packed plot, dazzling visuals, and irreverent humor add up to a sequel that's almost as fun, if not quite as thrillingly fresh, as its predecessor. So that's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Let's kick it back to Mark, a man who can say, I am Groot in two, three languages, maybe more. Back to you. Thank you for those honors, Tim, that I cannot live up to. I want to get into that freshness for a minute. So Brian, go ahead and hit the music for Movie Talk. There might be a thing with me and like the way I conduct my life as to why I like this movie so much more on my second rewatch is because I don't want to say I've strayed too far from my MCU fandom. Like I still enjoy the movies, but I have felt a fatigue in comic book movies in general in the last couple of years. And so putting this one on, I did. It felt fresh again to me. And so maybe when I saw the movie in the theater, I was just inundated with MCU movie after MCU movie. We had just kicked off phase three, a couple films prior to this. And so maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace to enjoy this movie like I was now. Even though I feel superhero fatigue, I felt none of that re-watching this movie, Steph. Yeah, I re-watching it, I was like, oh my God, this is like a really great, funny movie. Laugh out loud funny every time and James Gunn is just I I feel like I become a bigger and bigger fan of his comedy yeah but this one I feel like it's so unique like such a unique take on everyone has some form of daddy issues or parental (laughs) issues like generational drama that you have to break the mold of but they did it in a funny way I I just really and it is refreshing like after all of these MCU movies that have come out I feel like coming back to this one you're like oh this one's this one is different. And these characters are different because they, they're in space. It's a little more 
like there's more area to play in the characters. Yeah, and by volume two now, Dorena, we they know each other, and so we can just get right into whatever the action is, and we don't take that whole first act to kind of get right. them their introductions and that kind of rocky beginning. Now they're just out there guarding the galaxy and shooting up these giant monsters and having a blast doing it. I think the comedy maybe rubs some people the wrong way, where it was too funny and not serious enough for this intergalactic quest that we're going on. Well, it was actually funny on, like, the first one. So, <laughs> the thing is, is the, the, the first wait, one... Wait, wait, why? Yeah, let's get into this. What was your issue with the first one before look, we get into the second one? Look, I didn't hate it, hate it. I don't want, like, the fanboys coming after me. It's okay, it's okay we don't like the same movies. But <laughs> I was, I definitely remember watching the screening and everybody around me laughing the entire time, and I felt like MTV's Daria. Where she just sits there in the theater, just looking at everybody, feeling like an alien. So you I felt like Daria. actually from space. Oh and so, man, that's um, a good point. I laughed twice in the first movie, and um, I actually felt that Star Lord, uh, even though Chris Pratt, you know, good actor, uh, he was trying to be Kurt Russell from the '80s, right? Ah. He was trying to be like Big Trouble in Little China, Kurt Russell. How correct right? you were. Yes, uh, and actually, I think he actually ended up suggesting to James Gunn to hire Kurt Russell for Ego's character. Um, so um, I, I don't know. It, I felt old and I was not into it. And the second one, I was so pleasantly surprised because it was a character story. Like it's actually, um, you know, like Fast and the Furious. It's about family. Right. Um, it, it's um, it might be the most Vin Diesel movie about family. Because <laughs> exactly. it's not a fast and family. <laughs> exactly. Also, one big thing, um, as we know, the MCU has always had a really bad villain problem for so long until we met Thanos. It's actually until we met Ego. Right. Ego was the first MCU villain that I was like, this is a real villain that is actually complex. Like Ego is basically the worst part of all the humans and the Guardians character. Mm -hmm. Like obviously Kurt Russell played him so well, but not only is he he's supposed to be charismatic and charming, but he's a total psychopath. He's a narcissist that's trying to not take over the world like Thanos. Like he's actually uh, trying to make the universe or create a universe to be like him, right? Very which Hollywood. is the, yeah, which is the most <laughs> totally exactly. It's the most egotistical, narcissistic thing, right? And and uh, and I mean the fact that he only cares to have his son around to become more powerful, right? Talk about daddy issues. Carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at Carmax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car; you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I mean, but when you look at the the casting of Kurt Russell in this movie, and that's how we kick the film off, is like him back in time, where it's the Kurt Russell that we all sort of knew if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. That's one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. So it's a stroke of genius to cast him, whether it was Feige or James Gunn or whether it was Chris Pratt suggesting it, because we implicitly trust 
a guy like Kurt Russell. When you see him on the big screen, it's almost like seeing a Tom Cruise. That's why What Lies Beneath was such a genius movie that Zemeckis did because he cast Harrison Ford in a way that we thought we knew Harrison Ford until a turn happens, and all of a sudden we have no idea who this guy is anymore. Same thing with Kurt Russell, because like you want to believe in Kurt Russell. We all want to be in that car next to Kurt Russell in the beginning of the film, and the de-aging looked so good. Big screen, small screen, that was 1980s Kurt Russell, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I mean, who wouldn't want Kurt Russell to be their daddy, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'll, he can be my pal. Yeah. He can yeah. be, I won't say what I wouldn't do with Kurt Russell, yes. but... Speaking of daddy's quick question, yeah. Thanos, we get a little bit more backstory on him in this movie, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, not a great father. Not a great dad. So both of these girls are snatched up from different planets. Yeah, so you have Gamora and you have Nebula, and and the, the torture of Nebula in this movie, or at least what you hear about her upbringing is just so heartbreaking where every time she battled Gamora and lost, she became more of a machine and mm-hmm. less of a human. But she still retains some of that emotion and some of that humanity that Gamora is trying to bring out in this movie. So that's another through line that you just get so engaged with. Or at least I did the second time, and I don't know why I didn't feel that the first time. Yeah, I, Nebula for sure. I And Gamora, I, I go back and forth between her and Drax of who is my favorite character. Okay. Gamora in this movie just had more to do than mm-hmm. the first movie for me where I'm like, oh, she's actually a superhero like or an antagonist. Like she's so cool. The way she moves, I love the, the way they did her movement. But the relationship with Nebula is really cool because they're like two adopted sisters who had a, a bad adoptive father who like made them hate each other, which is kind of what happens in society. Exactly. And it was like, and that actress is Scottish. I'm like, what? Karen Gillan. Yeah, what an all-star. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an incredible cast. And their relationship, I think, is predicated upon how bad their upbringing was. Mm -hmm. And so it, it actually made me appreciate the Awesome Mix Volume 1 tape, the cassette tape that Peter Quill has and why he's so protective of it because you learn his backstory in this movie too where it was an ego in, in a human form impregnating his mom, mm-hmm. right? And he loves his mom dearly. He lost his mom. He misses her. His mom made that tape for him. And so when his Walkman gets smashed in this movie by ego, it's like you're looking at it and you say, oh, that's like his, that, that's the one thing in his childhood that he can kind of glom onto that was positive. And Nebula and Gamora don't have that. And so that's why there's this conflict here, but we still have this sort of sun, more more of a sunshiny disposition, I would say, that Peter has versus Gamora. But then, Dorena, we have their relationship that is also very gradually, but sometimes those end up being the best ones. Yeah. No, and, and that's... Unspoken. Well, and that's, that's exactly the difference between the first one and the second one to me is that uh, you get to explore these two sisters actually not reconciling, but at least coming to some sort of truce to be like, you know what? Our dad was an asshole, so <laughs> let's... It's okay. We're not going to ruin not, the but, wedding anymore. Exactly, right? <laughs> yes, correct. Um, and then also, I mean, the, the fact that you have, uh, you know... Peter, he was upset because he got his uh, Walkman smash, but Ego specifically, spoilers, says, I actually put that brain tumor in your mom. Yeah, that one. That's uh, like, I mean, that's one of the 
best quotes in the movie because you're just like, oh, you're a jerk. Like you actually like killed the woman that you fell in love with because you're such an arrogant prick that you don't care. You 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 didn't want her as a distraction to be able to like, you know, become this like celestial god or whatever. Um, so so talk about daddy issues there. And then every every single character has this journey where they're actually finding themselves and going through their like exploring their like childhood trauma or whatever, like whatever they went through and then finding each other in family, right? Like you talk about how many people like this. This is why this movie is so amazing and relatable to me, because how many people find unconditional love outside of blood family? Right. Like they actually find it in friends. And like that's the whole that's the whole point of this movie is the guardians coming together to be like, you're my family. Like the, our, our, our actual blood family messed up. Let's come together. And like we are the family and that's and we're going to save the world together. So when I moved to L.A., uh, I was introduced to this concept of friends giving. Right. <laughs> where I again, I, I had to, I was very lucky. I had a really cool family. And so we just do Thanksgiving every year. And I had no idea what a Friendsgiving was. This movie is a Friendsgiving. Yes. Where you realize <laughs> I don't really want to go home. There's some stuff going on there, whether it's my sister or I have a horrible stepdad or right. my old man is an actual planet and he's a total egotistical maniac. <laughs> I just want to hang out with my friends. That's what a Friendsgiving is. That's what this movie is. The whole movie is every character sort of figuring out that wherever I came from is one thing. I survived to this point and I am an adult and I can make my own decisions as to who I keep around me, who I keep in my company. And you see it with every character. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that when I first saw this movie in theater, Steph, it didn't turn me off because Dave Bautista is so good at delivering humorous lines as Drax. But I felt like Drax was just comic relief. And he's hilarious. But rewatching the movie, everything he says is funny in the moment. But then you go back and you look at it and there's sort of a point to it where he can he's sort of just speaking things out loud. But when you go back and watch it, you're like, he's getting deeper than I think I gave him credit for. Definitely. That's why I love Drax, because he like he has sensitive nipples. And I'm so appreciative <laughs> that he's letting the world know he's being vulnerable. But he has that moment in the relationship with Mantis that I think really exposes mm -hmm. his vulnerable side and his true side. And then when she's like trying to feel his emotions and mm -hmm. she's like, there's a lot of sadness. There. Like it was the first oh, time she felt deep sadness. And then you did get his backstory about how he saw his like, wife and daughter being killed. So when you add it all together, his character has a ton of impact. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's truly, um, you know, these these superheroes spend most of their this movie talking about their feelings. <laughs> maybe that's that why maybe I liked why it. it's not um, like as highly rated as the first one? I think one, so. Think? Well, explosions. Yes. It's, it's like, so where's rocket. the CG monsters? <laughs> but there's plenty of that in the movie, too. But, the, is... but the difference though is like the first one is literally a plot to um, basically take us to the rest of the expanded universe, right? To like take us to Infinity War. This second one is not that. The second movie is about family, is about the characters. Like I always say, the, the real Infinity Stones are the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. And, but you also make a good observation about most of the sequels in the MCU that we've had, whether it's Iron Man 2 or it's Avengers Age of Ultron, or even like something like, I would say, Winter Soldier, less so Civil War, more, more overt, where those sequels, the, the, the first one is like, hey, meet Iron Man. This is what he's about. Mm -hmm. Second ones are like, okay, now we need to use this movie that is based on a successful property that we know as a conduit to more things and, and ingratiating more elements into the universe. Guardians Volume 2 does that. 
but it doesn't do the thing where it tries to get so big and we're in a vast universe already. It doesn't try to overstep its bounds and set a bunch of stuff up for Infinity War, right. which was right around the corner. I mean, again, this is phase three. I think Doctor Strange was the movie that was immediately before Guardians, and then the movie immediately afterwards was Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, I completely agree. It's one of the things I really like about the way they did the sequel is that it made me more invested in the character story. So now it's like I'm more excited about volume three than I was about volume two. Me too, yeah. If that makes sense. Because I'm like, oh, okay, it's kind of a prequel in a sense that we really got to know who they are and why they are. That's a great point. And then I'm like, let me go for the ride now. <laughs> like, I'm with this family. Right, yeah, and yeah. close up the chapter. And we, we were actually doing my, my show on the street. We were doing some interviews at WonderCon last month. And I was asking people which movie they're most hyped for this year, this coming uh, summer. Everybody was saying Guardians 3 to the point where like, we, we'd bring in a new person to talk to him like, hey, can you say anything but Guardians 3? I just need to get <laughs> something else on here. So one of the things about Guardians 3, though, is that I think a lot of people are like trepidatious about is like, are we, is everybody going to make it out of this thing? Do we have to off somebody? I mean, it was so emotional when we lost Gamora in Infinity War. It's hard to go through that again. Most of the people I talk to on the street think if somebody's going to eat it, it's going to be Rocket Raccoon. And I can't I allow that so. to happen. Dur what? Darina, no. He's the worst. Darina. <laughs> but I, was gonna ask I feel you that. for him so much. I'm like, wow, I, I really do. He's like, so He's the Bradley? Chewie of the group. Like everyone no. calls him like, like he's like, when Princess Leia called Chewie the carpet, it's like, this is, that was wrong. That was wrong of my fearless leader, Princess Leia. Leia. And She's, everyone who calls him a, like, what do you call it? Trash, trash panda. panda. I was like, you should get throat punched, Are brother. we going to have a campaign to cancel Leia because she called Chewbacca a <laughs> yeah, walking Yeah, I can't have it. She's been canceled. It's on tape. She was Mary Poppins in space. She was oh, already canceled. <laughs> so Speaking when, of Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. Great about, reference. How about Yandu, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Great, Loved great it. line yeah. of, this, of one of the many in this, uh, in this movie that, like, like just that just completely tickle me. Not the least of which is supported by Rocket. Right, Rocket delivers a lot of greatness in yes. this movie. He's Durina. better. He is Bradley Cooper's Rocket is way more tolerable in the second one. I will say that he's so good. I like. Oh, but I think Drax is going to die, and I'm really upset about oh, it. No. Oh, just to go you're back taking to it. Drax. Yes, because Dave Batista has talked about not. You know, he doesn't want to be Drax forever. Right. And it, he didn't even want his role to be as big as it was in the second one until he read the script and he's like, oh, okay, I get why my character matters more. Huh. I just feel like... Bummer. <sighs> but I'm so upset. Well, I mean, he... Hopefully you, I'm wrong. He can join his family. I you know. know. Again, I'm not saying that facetiously. We all... <laughs> it's very sad what you've been through, Mr. Destroyer, but he's just so goddamn funny in He's movies. so He's good. really great. Maybe not. Excellent. Um, you I was also, gonna you say, also might figure out Rocket's origin story in Guardians Three. Yeah, which is what a lot so of you guys love him. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I actually like all of them. He's just my—he's just the most annoying. He's also useful. Like, yeah, having yeah. Like, well, in the first one, Groot is trying to take care of him, and then they reverse roles mm -hmm. in this one where he actually becomes Baby Groot's, like you know, Caretaker. daddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a really cool parallel between what Ego had done to Peter's mom, where it's like, I'm going to implant this cancer in you because I can't stand to like to to feel love. Like I'm a celestial being, I need to be above all this. Um, and then what Rocket? It's really Rocket because he steals these batteries. And so then we get to pretty much implant 
explosives into ego in the same way that the cancer ah. went into Meredith. And so it's kind of like you're getting, you're reaping what you sow. You get right. to taste your own medicine right there. And Rocket's stealing the batteries. Just the way he goes about his business is so goddamn funny to me. But it also makes sense from, he he's chewy, but he's also Han. He's got that smuggler's totally. mentality where he's just out for himself, but he finds more, dare I say, for a trash panda humanity <laughs> in this in this movie. Yeah. And w- one of my favorite lines is in reference to Rocket after Mantis first meets him and she's on the ship she's laughing at it because she calls him the crabby puppy <laughs> the crabby puppy is so cute I want to so die cute. It's a close second to my favorite all-time Rocket reference, which is when Thor is calling him Sweet Rabbit in Infinity War. <laughs> that kills me. Totally. But Mantis, solid runner-up. I love... The introduction of Mantis as a character is an excellent addition to the team, too. I forgot that we didn't meet her until Volume yeah. 2. I was like, yeah. why is everybody acting like they don't know Mantis? Yeah, I'm like, oh, she's, right. she's one of the best parts of the movie. Totally. She's such an awesome depiction. I know that the creator of Mantis is like, this is nothing like the right. comic book character. Okay, I like this mantis. <laughs> yeah, she's like the the Any universe's empath most, can relate. Yeah, yeah, she's the most powerful one. Yes, and and she can even keep ego at bay for a little bit. My God, wouldn't we all love to have a mantis in our life? Oh my God, just, her laugh—it's like RB 3s laugh. It just makes you want to go with her. <laughs> I just I just point. want her by my bedside at around 11 p.m. and just all she has to do is touch me. I don't need to take any pills. I don't need to do anything. Just and I'm and I'm out for eight hours. Can I? Can we talk about a couple of things? Number one, how amazing this movie looks because. Oh, yeah. Compared to a lot of MCU movies that are not in color, like this movie is in color. Like this oh, movie yeah. is gorgeous, right. the cinematography. And then also, I know we mentioned Yondu really quick, but that was one of the best, I think, endings in yeah. not just an MCU movie, but any superhero movie. I think it's one of the most emotional, beautiful endings. And for some reason, you don't see it a lot in cinema where it's it's not the real father but they clearly are the daddy. You know, it's like, sure, Ego is technically my father, according to the letter of the law. Yondu raised me more than anyone else did. And it was cool seeing Yondu even soften and be like, well, okay, look, yeah, I I use the excuse that let's keep this kid around. He's good for stealing. But he really was protecting him and trying to protect all of Ego's other kids for a long time to the point where it got Ego was sort of the reason why Yondu got kicked out of this of of, of the, the ravagers, the ravagers yeah. because they thought he was trafficking kids and it's like no I'm trying to protect them from like the worst dad on earth oh maybe next God. to Thanos right the labels are so unfair he gets called a child smuggler hard which to come back from that out yeah that's like you hear it and you're like oh brother I'm gonna need a lot of evidence yeah, to combat this right. and then on the other side ego is just like screwing the world mm-hmm. and like if he was a woman he would be called a whore <laughs> totally exactly a, a charismatic whore indeed but but i mean what a harlot. is what is the line actually when yandu uh, sacrifices himself for Pete and saves peter's life he right pulls an he actually says he may have been your father boy but he wasn't your daddy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great line. Yeah. Great line. Yeah, and and that, that like as soon as you see like there's like there's one spacesuit, I'm already thinking Armageddon. I'm like, all right, who's going to be Bruce yeah. Willis? <laughs> who's going to be Ben Affleck in this particular situation? So I thought that was that was really well played, and and the movie wraps up and it's just got that emotional sort of climax from the sisterhood of Nebula and Gamora, which is slowly being repaired, from Peter realizing that he already found his family, and that's one of the most heartbreaking scenes in this movie, and it's one of my favorites is when. 
he's trying to explain to Gamora, which, I mean, he's got a fair point. He's like, I've been looking for my family this whole time. Now I found my dad. And by the way, my dad is Kurt Russell. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to hang out with that guy for the rest of my life? But then Gamora reminds him, I thought you already had found your family. Oh, I get chills thinking about it. So good. So if we're doing like best scenes in the movie, it could be like a fun action sequence. It could be something emotional. Starting with you, Darina. I mean, honestly, it's it's because I messed up. Is uh, It's basically when um, Ego tells... Uh, Peter, that he's responsible for Meredith's death, for Meredith, Meredith Quill's death, oh, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, because that's when that's when Peter gets so angry, rightfully so, and ego is so full of himself that he thinks, oh, I'm going to tell him then, and he'll be fine with it, and he'll still conquer the galaxy with me. And I'm like, no, you idiot! Like that. That was such a good example of a <laughs> a, a literal narcissist, you know, weakness of thinking like, oh no, this will be fine because everybody loves me because I'm like so full of myself. And I showed you the. Power that you would have Correct. taking over the universe with me. And since I want I that. I killed your mom. But look at all this power we exactly. get. Exactly. And then Peter obviously is like, F you. I have family already. Like, go f*** yourself. Yeah. That was great. So I little love- Luke Skywalker at the end of Vampire Strike. Totally. Yes. You know? Totally. Because Darth Vader's basically there. He's like, come on, man. We can rule. I'll be honest. Darth Vader makes a pretty damn good pitch. Like, I'm not saying I'm not just Would like, you join him? Yeah, I mean, I'd prefer to have my hand back, like, if we could have done away with all the lightsaber fights. Darth Vader makes a good pitch. He's like, don't worry about the Emperor. You and me will rule the galaxy together. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point, Not Mark. a bad recruiting point. <laughs> Much better than Ego, because Ego basically opens with like, hey, man, we're powerful. I killed your mom. But uh, we'll look at how powerful we are. I, I could have I just put like a bullet in your mom's head. I made her suffer. I'm so sorry about that. Look at how powerful we are, though. Don't worry about love. Yeah, like build a Pac-Man, like with me forever, <laughs> which is also a nice touch. The Pac-Man was great. Great touch. Uh, but for favorite scene to go, I like have two top ones. Yeah, it's hit me. The one with uh, Mantis and Drax at the after they'd been going back and forth about how how Drax thinks she's hideous and so disgusting. And he's like throwing up in his mouth thinking about even being with her. And finally, she's just trying to get the job done. And she's like, I don't want, I think you're disgusting. I don't even like your kind. Like I don't have, and it just is like, really I love good. how they don't take things personal because they're so mm-hmm. uh, just don't understand sarcasm. And it would be kind of nice and refreshing to live in a world where we're like, yeah, I think you're f- but like that's cool I don't like you either uh, and then the second one was the breakout scene scene from the ship Yondu ship mm-hmm. when he got his new the uh, Finn prototype and just went ham on mm-hmm. everyone and then laser laser face got his like the end the taser face oh taser face yeah. I forgot about the taser yeah, face yeah taser face trying to convince was so everybody good. taser face is a great name yeah Oh my God, this movie's just got, it's endless laughs. And and I think that's why maybe at the time I was just expecting like a straight up action. I have no idea what that, I was a moron in 2017. It, you've grown. It was a very I dumb hate boy. to say it. Mark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys all knew this? No. I didn't know you. We were all did, morons When did we too. meet? So maybe this 18? has to do about my like oh, relationship once I, with once you. I, yeah. one, once I met my ego, the living planet, <laughs> I could. Fl- Steph I, is I, your Kurt Russell. Steph's my Yondu. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's, She's your the daddy. one that raised me. Come yeah. on, let's play yeah. catch. Yeah. <laughs> that scene was great. So good. Uh, yeah, the catch scene too. It's like I mean, the, that's really living out childhood trauma and like the what you'd want to do as a young boy. Yeah. I assume everything you lack, you're like, oh, this is actually what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> yeah. And Just trust toss me, the ball I know. around it. It feels like a very nuclear <laughs> looking ball, but let's toss around <laughs> my dad. I guess I'm celestial. I can protect it. Okay, here's my question for y'all mm-hmm. coming out of this movie. Do does Peter have any powers left, or do you think that that ego is right? They're like, okay, so it, it, you kill me, all of this celestial stuff is gone. Or do you think maybe there's still a little bit of that celestial 
fairy dust somewhere inside Quill that could probably help him out of a future Guardians-type jam. I think it's gone, and that's why uh, we saw him be an idiot in Infinity War. Or, yeah, he or was, was it Endgame? In I forget War. which yeah. one. And, and maybe I forgive the, the, the raccoons of the world more easily than I do the humans, because he really bothered me in Infinity War when, again, he let his emotions get the best of him. He's a, he's a human, and we know how emotional he is, and we know how much he loves Gamora. When Thanos is just like kind of talking to him and he gets and and he gets Peter to break and then that's how Thanos uses him at the end of Infinity War. It bothered the hell out of me because yeah. it's like, dude, I know he killed your girl. It, this is the whole galaxy, man. Right. I got I to gotta have you put those feelings aside. Maybe this movie softened my take on that. Yeah, I, I do think he gets his powers back and maybe like a Hercules type thing where Ooh, he has to okay. go through like 27 different <laughs> challenges <laughs> to gain his power back. Um. I, yeah, I, this movie, like speculating about what could happen in Guardians 3, not really the job of the show, but it just, it's, th there's so much to look at as far as where we've been in the MCU since volume two came out. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we had Endgame and I just feel like we're still kind of not, not treading water because we've made some strides with some cool new characters that we've been introduced to, but it just hasn't felt the same since then. So I'm really looking forward to Guardians 3 to maybe bring that magic back. Is that too much pressure to put on a movie? I don't, I don't know, know, man. James Gunn. Um, I, you know, this is, I know this is not Marvel, but the Suicide Squad was brilliant. We loved it. And Peacemaker's great. The, yeah. the show's great, too. Exactly. So Excellent. I, I um, even with the MCU and superhero uh, general fatigue, mm -hmm. uh, Guardians 3 is a James Gunn movie. So I'm looking forward to it. And I actually think the biggest challenge is making the soundtrack even better because the second, uh, the second volume hasn't even better soundtrack than the first which one. Which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, you got ELO, you Ooh, got George that's Harrison. A take. Oof. I yeah, mean, uh, Harrison's Mac. My Sweet Lord is great. And I, and I was thinking about the usage of a band like Fleetwood Mac, who just had notorious breakups and relationship issues. That being the song that, that sort of sets us off on our adventure with Peter going towards Ego, but then also him breaking away from Ego. So very kind of Lindsay Stevie yeah. there. Was with, it the chain, right? The, it was the chain, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so pretty good soundtrack. That first Guardians volume, pretty... It's you pretty got the good. Top tier. Yeah, yeah. Very good. They, they released what the third soundtrack is, or James Gunn did, oh, like, really? like, all the tracks and stuff. And? Um, it looks great. All I know... The, the one that I remember off the top of my head is that Space Hog, a band from the 90s, has a song called In the Meantime, mm -hmm. and it's such a great intergalactic feeling song that it's perfect for this movie. But so. is it Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra? There's very few songs that are. Exactly. Yeah. There's very few. But you, one last, Baby Groot in the intro, like the beginning when he's like handling the yeah. music, I thought that was such a smart device. But then Baby Groot, I feel like was used so well in the movie. I haven't mm -hmm. said Excellent. that. Like just such a great use of the character. And at the end when that one of the Yondu's guys was like the worst to him yelling in his face and like abusing this yeah. cute little feller. And then he just like took, snatched him up and smashed him on the ground at the end. I was like, let's go Baby Groot. And I love that it's, it's almost like every other guardian is Groot's parent at beginning of the movie because they're all like fighting this huge monster but they're all kind of checking on Groot <laughs> at the same time when Gamora is like fighting she just looks over it, like like with her game face on then she sees Groot she just gives him like a <laughs> yeah, and then she yeah. goes back to fighting it's just adorable so yeah. much cooler than baby Yoda Oh, Dorina, oh, wow. what? I just wanted to make her mad. Smoking hot. There might be an accident in the parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me do that to you then. Dorina brought it up. I'm going to, like the end of the movie, The Good Son. Steph, you're holding Baby Yoda. They don't have their powers. You're holding Baby Yoda and Baby Groot on the edge of a cliff. You can only save one. Who are you dropping? 
I'm dropping Gru. Dropping Gru. Oh, there um, it is. You're like, he'll grow Haunting back. Gru off the mountain. Bummer. <laughs> he's a tree. I do he's, love him. I know you're right. You're way right. way more useful to the galaxy uh, than the child. He's very useful, but he's not more useful. Steph's obsessed with Grogu. I, uh, Look, Grogu's adorable, but as I've said in, uh, in stand-up over the years, I don't trust a uh, 50-year-old baby whose only dad <laughs> is a bounty hunter. That seems like a recipe for disaster Correct. when you have those kind of powers. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll stick with the tree. I'm like Steve Carell in Anchorman. I'm like, you're not Ron. You're not Yoda. <laughs> you're not Ron. <laughs> Yoda. You ain't, you ain't the OG. Mm-mm. You ain't your daddy who was a good daddy. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Yoda probably wasn't ever a daddy. He's a Jedi. No. They're not allowed to do that stuff. Exactly. Another reason why Luke should have gone with Darth Vader. But anyway, <laughs> that's an argument for a different day. The one <laughs> that I want to close out movie talk with for y'all is let's pick our favorite characters of the Guardians. So just the core guardians first. Who's your favorite? Who do we got? I mean, I'm kind of with Steph. I think Drax and Gamora are the best ones. Um, And um, Gamora, especially in this movie, went from just being the love interest in the first movie Mm -hmm. and just being this, you know, uh, whatever strong female character that's just around a bunch of dumb dudes, which we've seen so much recently. And so in the second one, she really comes into her own and like we really get Mm -hmm. to know her and like actually like. Uh, relate to her and and this her story with her sister is really heartbreaking. I, I I think she's great. And obviously Drax is like, I think Drax is my favorite. I love Gamora, but I think Drake Drax is I love that you just gave like a full minute th- yeah. explaining why you love Gamora so much. Then yeah. you're like, yeah, but Drax is Drax. Drax is so cool. I know I love them both. I don't yeah. know. That's a good point you bring up how Gamora is sort of like the uh it's it's like a sitcom where she's the smart one and all the dudes Hermione. are just morons. Yeah. She's Hermione. There you go. <laughs> like the That's first good. few movies. I think Gamora's the best character. Drax is my favorite character. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, I'm going to relate a lot to Peter because he also references Cheers, and we have <laughs> similar <laughs> taste in music, but I feel like I'd be shortchanging it if I didn't say Rocket. He's just so goddamn cute. great choice. He's oh. just cute, and he's funny, and he's holy. I just The wink? The he, wink bit was hilarious. The wink bit's great. Yeah. I don't think you're a pretentious idiot. <laughs> I like him much more in this one. In the first one, he's a little B I T C H. Oh, the way that he was communicating you know you to Baby Groot at the end of this movie might be my other favorite scene. Oh, that's is when right. he's trying to teach Baby Groot because we want to ruin the movie. Baby Groot is very loyal, but he's not necessarily the best at pulling off and executing instructions <laughs> given to you. So when he's trying no, to figure out which button to push and Rocket is just losing his mind, he's like, that's literally the same thing you just did. <laughs> I was dying laughing. <laughs> and this is not me with like a bunch of herbal medication. This is just me enjoying the movie. And yeah. I don't know what, I, I, me- I remember liking it, but I'm not sure what was wrong with me in 2017 as we figured out before I met Steph. So maybe that was the, 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 the entry point into me being a fully fledged adult. I thought this movie was so good. Um, let's do, uh, some other thoughts on the MCU in general, where I mentioned that I'm a little fatigued with it as of right now. I just, once we, this is my thing with the guardians. I love these adventures, but I also feel like opening up the portals into space have kind of hurt all the, the movies that take place on earth and all the movies we've seen. And I think the shows do the same kind of harm to him because, like, when I was trying to get into Loki, it's like, wait, all this stuff, everybody already knew this was going to happen. It just kind of seems, it, it, it feels like the stakes get reduced sometimes. Well, you know, me. especially, I remember watching Infinity War and also feeling like MTV's Daria at the end where everybody's turning into dust and yeah. the entire movie theater was, like, bawling, you mm-hmm. know, just so emotional. And I'm like, they come, they come back. 
You know, I thought you knew that. I guess they didn't read the comics, right? Yeah, right. So, yeah. so where are the stakes at, right? Like that's, I mean, it, it, some of them are good movies, but most of them are all leading up to the same thing. Bad dude uh, needs the stone, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, there's only a few like Guardians uh, 2 that actually are about uh, concepts that are relatable to humans versus just watching some big action sequences, which don't get me wrong. Winter Soldier is a fantastic action movie. Right. But the rest of them, not so much. The and this one, I think thing. volume two, maybe more so than we gave it credit for initially, does stand on its own just as a movie. And it doesn't necessarily just serve as a stepping stone, stone to something else. Right. So I think that really holds up upon rewatching it because it went Homecoming next and then Thor Ragnarok was the movie after this. And then I think at the end of that movie, maybe we saw the Guardians at the end Then that set up Infinity War, but I might be getting my wires crossed. There's a lot of movies. Um, Steph, where are you mentally, emotionally? If I was Mantis and to, and to touch your shoulder, oh, okay. what would I sense about Steph's feelings towards the MCU currently? So I can't lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, okay, I'm, a t- I'm an easy pleaser with the MCU. Like if okay. it's, it's usually good like and i'm it's and usually I'm, good yeah but i will say with the shows and the movies luckily there's been kind of a pause in the past few months i was feeling like okay like this is i feel like the same beats are getting hit and but it's I'm, like homework kind of i'm like i really have to study for this yeah. next movie and i was never good <laughs> at school so but i'm excited for i i am genuinely looking forward to volume three yeah me too i'm like and and that's Predicated upon rewatching this movie. So the yes. podcast did something good for me. Hope we did something good for all of our listeners out there. Last question I have for you, and it's a little bit of a trivia question because Darina brought up the snap where everybody's disappearing and everybody knows like, oh, it's so emotional for some people, Darina, when <laughs> Peter Parker is like, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark, whatever he says. Do you know what baby Groot is saying? Is he not saying before, Groot, I am Before Groot? he disappears? He says, I am Groot, but you know what he said? Like, they, they, there's like a translation oh, yeah. that I, I guess... At, like the MCU confirmed. Vin Diesel gets an English translation script. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you know what he was saying? No. But can we guess? Yeah. Peace and and, and he's, saying it, he's saying it to Rocket. Oh. He's saying it to Rocket. Does he say, I love you? No. I know? <laughs> no. He, he, as far as I'm, I, as I believe, there's no Star Wars <laughs> references that he makes. Trash Panda. <laughs> <laughs> the Amazing. That was a great voice. <laughs> Um, I believe what he's saying is something along the lines of either dad or daddy. Oh, puppy. Yeah. That's really cute. Yeah, which means you can't kill Rocket in volume three. Yeah, you can't, you can't. You can't, but Groot's going to be older. Groot is going to be older, and that's one of the many, many post-credit scenes we get. In this well, you movie. guys are yeah. so worried about Where somebody. he's a teenager, and that's hysterical. Yeah, it's amazing. You guys are so worried about somebody dying. They always come back. They do always come back. I mean, Gamora's back. Yeah, but in a different form. Yeah. I mean, still. All right. I feel like this turned <laughs> two against one really quick. And Baby Groot's across the way staring at me. And it's after I said I would punch See? him off the cliff. I okay, feel no, guilty now. Then I'll piggyback it back to you the other way because it's fine. They always come back. I still can't seem, I, I can't watch a character I care that much about perish. Even if I know they're coming back. What if it's CG Like when everybody dust, thought though. Chewie died for like a hot second in Rise of Skywalker. It's like, oh my God, they <laughs> oh my killed God, the dog. It literally ripped my lungs that out. That was the funniest scene ever. I, can't I was stand like, you guys you. are, that was stupid. That but was very stupid. Everybody in the theater, some people in the theater reacted, but I, I kept a stone face because I knew there's no way they're going to kill Chewie. Well, I you, did it. I have trust you, issues, though. I thought he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought that, he was gone. That was very dumb. Somebody shot your Wookiee when you were a kid. You've just never yeah, gotten over it. Yeah. Like yeah. anytime a horse dies in a movie or dog. Oh, like, the never ending story <sighs> when the poor thing is oh just my, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I did not yeah. think we were going to get to never any story, and then my mind goes to Marley and See, me. See, that's so. a real death. Oh, gosh. That's a Marley real Artax is a real death. He doesn't turn into dust. He literally gets sucked by the nothing. Yeah, just gets eaten by a bunch of mud. It's very yeah, sad. that's a bummer. When you got, when it's your time to go. Speaking of childhood trauma and daddy issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the nothing. We got to do the never-ending story on the show sometime. Damn. I have no idea what its tomato meter is, but if it's anything less than... You know what? I take that back. Yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah, that movie in a long yeah. time. I don't know if it holds up. It looks great. I'll say that. Okay. All right. I do love Falcor. Yes. Flying Dog. Yeah. Fantastic music. Yeah. yeah I think it's... There's some weird parts. I, I recently love the look you're giving I me recently as you say weird watched parts. it and there's the ending scene with that like little girl who's like, hello, <laughs> it's giving Teletubbies. It's very oh, creepy. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we don't have a mailbag today, so I guess that served as our mailbag where yeah. it was like me. Dear Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> <laughs> the little girl in Never Ending Story sucks. <laughs> creepy or no? <laughs> uh, that is going to do it for us here on our Movie Talk segment. So let's close this out, Brian. It is always fun being in the studio with two of my best pals. So Steph, Darina, uh, so fun talking Guardians with you. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of reaction to Guardians Volume 3. And I will just tell everybody out there who's about to go see the movie like this, there's many opportunities you're going to get to see the movie. Try to just enjoy it on the first one. Don't be like Uncle Mark watching Volume 2 and thinking, how does this connect? How is this going to go to the future? What's the next movie? Just enjoy this movie. I don't know where the hell the MCU is going. I question a lot of the motivations. I think I'm just going to go in this theater and have a great time. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just going to, I just am going to will that it's awesome. Cosign. I think the, <laughs> I think Marvel should just be happy. I'm actually excited about one of their movies. It's been years. There you go. So you're pumped for this one. Exactly. What was the last Marvel movie you were really excited for? Crickets. Yeah, I wow. know. What was the last one I really loved? I guess Endgame was cool. Endgame was cool. Yeah. You walked into that one ready. But after that, I don't know if there's anything I loved. Okay. There's been like some good movies in phase four. Like I, I really like Shang-Chi. I thought Black Widow was fun. Oh, Shang-Chi we really enjoyed. We really enjoyed. Spe- specifically because of Tony Lung. And yes, also, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. I loved Love and Thunder. And, <laughs> and you should own that stuff. That's Good for a movie you. that I'd be interested to rewatch with my with my own eyes at home again because again I remember feeling sort of the same way I felt leaving Volume Two, which is where I was laughing my ass off. As a matter of fact, Jacqueline Coley and I were sitting next to each other at the premiere of that movie. Lucky to get invited to that. Sitting there, the goats were killing killer. us. Same. Killer. We were dying. We watching if together. If you were yes. with the first goat cry, you were with the yeah. last goat cry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was complete ridiculous b- British humor mixed with Mel Brooks humor. It's better than most MCU movies. I'm with you, Steph. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. We got to have you all back to do like our official ranking. Or maybe we can talk a little more MCU movies Next week, when we have the ladies returning for our After Dark episode, we can talk about movies, we can talk about TV, we can talk about whatever else, including the wedding and I, the Dorina, were recently at. We went to a big nuptial ceremony and uh, a lot of a lot of do's and don'ts at that wedding. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Nothing to do with the bride and the groom. Mark and Julie are fantastic. Everything else. Oh, boy. What a fun wedding we got to talk about. That is going to be next week on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. But before we say goodnight here, Steph, where can all the cool kids out there find you? What you're working on? At Steph Sabra. Just very simple. Very simple. You do. You talk Star Wars. You talk uh, all the fun, nerdy stuff. You also give things a whirl. So, uh, And you're doing improv. 
Oh, yeah. I'm in Improv 201 now. Was I not supposed to? No, no. You made it to 201? I made it to 201. Okay, Graduated. Well, uh, put a pin to that. Y'all got to come back next week. We'll talk about that. Darina, what else are you working on? Um, I'm at Dorina La Bruja. If you want to find me on the internet, so I'm not there a lot. But sometimes I post, uh, you know, we're all girls. When do. you get a like from Dorina, it's yes. like 10 Huge. likes from anyone else. It yeah. rarely happens. Uh, and then also, uh, I make music and I DJ. And uh, you can find my band camp at Bad Bruja. Oh, well. cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about in After Dark next week. So with that, I will simply say, I am Mark Ellis. Reminder, you can email us, rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. Anytime, let us know your thoughts on Guardians Volume 2, Volume 1. Are you excited for Volume 3? What do you think of Volume 3 after you saw it? And most importantly, what movies should we be talking about on this show? Throw some TV suggestions as well. Is there ever ending story at the top of your list? Let us know. That's rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Share with your friends. Next week is After Dark. And with that, my name is Mark Ellis. For the whole crew here at Rotten Tomatoes, my co-host Jacqueline Coley, Doreen Ariano, Steph Sabra, thank you. And in the words of David Hasselhoff, we are group. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.